No, that's good. Um, I'd like to talk to you all about prayer this morning. Normally I start off, I know Florence always starts off with um, a joke or something fantastic. I haven't got that for you. Um, yeah. my, my beginning bit isn't as exciting. But I just want to, I think, I'll just tell you something that Phil's just said. He's had a, if you don't mind, he's got back trouble today. And Julie prayed for him throughout the service. And I just asked him, you know, is it, do you feel any difference? Has it got any better? He said, not yet. But what faith that is. Not, no, it isn't better. I'm still really ill. Not yet. Because he's expecting answer to that prayer. And that links, thank you for that links in with what I'm talking today. Because I'm talking about prayer and our prayer life. But the reason I'm talking about our prayer and our prayer life is because just before Christmas, my prayer life wasn't as, as I wanted it to be. It wasn't as good as, I use the word good, there's no like good or bad prayer life, but that's the only word I can think of. It wasn't, I wasn't as closely connecting to God as I would have liked to have done in my prayer life. And he reminded me of um, a talk that we'd heard way back in January 2020, because I had to go right back through the media on the, um, on the computer, and that took ages, um, to find Pete Gregg. He did a fantastic talk on prayer. And I'll put the link on the e-news so you guys can listen to it as well, if you want to. But it was really inspiring. And he takes the words, he takes the letters, P-R-A-Y. He uses P for pause. R for rejoice, A for ask, and Y for yield. And I was just so inspired by it that we're actually doing it in the kids' club with the children at the minute. We're taking the letter each week and going through and telling them that it's okay for them to pray, it's okay for them to be close to God, and they've got a right to talk to God as well. So I thought, I'm up for preaching. Why not do it for the adults as well? So it's not quite as Pete Gregg would have done it, so I will encourage you to listen to his talk. Also, I'm reading his book called How to Pray. I haven't got all the way through it yet, but he goes into a lot more detail. He goes into some fantastic stories that helps you, helps it to remember and to take it more to your heart. So both of those things I would encourage you to do. Now I've got to see where I am on my notes because I totally went off pot then, which is good. So we're going to start, we're just going to start with a letter P. P is for pause. And I don't know if the other week, if you saw the children running around, one of them had a remote control and they're just pressing it and they say pause and the other guys pause and you freeze. And then outside what we're doing them is like, listen, what can you hear? What is God showing you? Know What is the goodness of God? So they're hearing the traffic, they're hearing the birds. It's just a way of connecting, stopping yourself. I'm not going to ask you to do that, okay? Oh, I know. We could have done that, couldn't we? That would have been fun. Yeah. <laughs> but when we're thinking about pausing, you know, um, you know when you're with someone and all they're doing, all you want to do is talk to them and spend that time with them. All they are doing is looking at their phone or they answer their phone when it's ringing. It's like... You're there. I'm here with you. Why are you answering your phone talking to somebody else? But 
that's really quite the norm for people to answer a text as you're talking to. I do it myself. And as soon as you're doing it, it's annoying because the other person's with you. Why are you not giving your attention to that one person? But it's like a natural thing for us to do at the minute. Um, and then I was thinking back to, you know, when you were a child and you're trying to get your adult's attention, and you're like, mum, 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 and they go, yeah, just a minute, just a minute, just a minute. But for the child, you know, they're waiting forever because actually the adult, I know it myself, they forget they've said just a minute. They mean, hang on, I'm really busy, I can't talk to you right now, rather than just stopping, turning around two minutes to see what the child wants. Then the child's happy, goes on their ways. But also, do you remember the times when somebody's taken that time to say, hey, come out with me, or let's go spend time together. They put their phone away, it's on silent, and you are their focus. That's the really good time. That's when people are pausing to be with you. They're putting things aside. That's what we're going to think about when we look at what we're pausing with God. So when we're thinking of pausing, it's time to give him our full attention. So let's put our, full, let's put our phones on silent. Let's turn our phones off, maybe, when we go talk to God. I like to try, if I'm praying at home, I try and deliberately put, either not put my phone on or go put it in another room. Because even if it's on silent... You can see that light. You can see when the text flashes up and your attention's immediately on the phone again. If you're praying, pausing with God, it should be on God. So when we come as God's children, we come as God's children to him. I don't think he's going to say, wait a minute to us. Because in Matthew 19, 13 to 15, he welcomes the children. He says, let little children come. Don't stop them, because the kingdom of heaven belongs to people like these, like these children. We're God's children. He's not going to say, wait a minute, when we're coming to him. He welcomes the sinners at, the dinners, at his dinner table. Jesus spent time with tax collectors. He didn't accuse the woman of adultery when she was being accused by others in Luke 15. He told the story of the parable of the prodigal son, and to just to let us know that actually we are all welcome to come to God any time. Even if we've turned away, we can turn back, we can come, he will welcome us. So we know also that Jesus spent time alone with, father, with his father. In Mark one thirty-five, it says, The next morning, Jesus got up long before daylight, left the house when it was dark, and made his way to the secluded place to help, sorry, to give himself to prayer. Luke 6, 12 to 13, before Jesus chooses the 12, we read how he went out to the mountainside to pray and spent the night praying. I wonder if any of us have actually spent a whole night praying or fallen asleep throughout it. Um, Before his crucifixion, he spends time alone praying in the garden of Gethsemane. So in the three examples, we've seen Jesus rising early, walking up a mountaintop, and go into a secluded place like the garden. We can choose any place like that. When we're thinking about pausing, it's a place that we like to go. Some of us like to walk up mountaintops. Some, some people, sorry, not some of us. Some people like to walk up mountaintops. For myself, I like to, um, if I'm finding a place to be on my own, for me in the summertime, it would be down the bottom of the garden. With, and it's just 
my place down there, nobody else. Once, actually, my husband locked me out of the house, so that's just popped into my head because I was down the bottom of the garden in the summertime. He thought I'd gone out, and he actually locked the back door and went upstairs. And it's like, okay, luckily we've got a side exit, and I could go across to my friend and get a front door key. <laughs> I just popped in my So if you're on your own, that's fine. That's a good place to be. Some people just like to be inside, find a comfy chair or something. Wintertime's a little bit harder for me because I like to be outside. But when we spoke to the children about where would it be, where would your like quiet place be that you'd find that you want to go to, some of them said the church, some of them said um, the garden or a comfy chair, and one of them said the toilet. <laughs> and that made us giggle, yeah. But actually, what a good place to start. Why not? The toilet is actually somewhere where, unless you've got really young children, you're not going to be disturbed for long. So what a good place to judge. If things are getting too much or you getting on, you decide, All right, I'm getting on with my prayer. Okay, I'm going to place to stop. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Passion Version says, Surrender your anxiety. Be still and realize I am God. But the Message Version says, Step out of the traffic. Take a long, loving look at me. Your high God, above politics, above everything. And I really like that version because for me that describes the being still, the pausing. Because you're stepping away from the traffic, the busyness of life. I did it myself just at the back there when we're worshipping, we're praying because I was thinking about Caden. Caden's a little bit upset because there's no other children here today. So I was thinking about him and then I was thinking about something else. And I thought, no, stop. And it was just taking your mind away from all the hassle, all the stress, putting it down, saying, God, I am with you right now. For me back there, I was standing physically still. But it doesn't always mean a physical still standing. Because actually sometimes that's really hard. If you're at home and you decide maybe you're having prayer life in the morning, maybe you're in the evening and you go, okay, this is on time, I'm going to go pray now. Let me pause first. Let me actually acknowledge that God is here. At home... It can be really distracting. Where I sit in the day, in when it's not um, summertime, I'll sit in the chair in the living room. Tally is right in front of me. So it's tempting to put, oh, you're sitting, put the tally on. No, remind myself, I'm with God. So for me, the still doesn't actually mean sitting still. I find I'm better if I pray when I'm praying if I actually walk around, so it's a stillness of a mind rather than a stillness of a body. But some people will just like the body's stillness as well. <sighs> Sorry, I have to look where I am. So you've, we've all got to find that place that is for us. So it could be, I know Sue likes walking, it could be that when you're walking, that's your good time to start your prayer life and you're, you're praying. Driving. Yeah, driving is good because it's just normally if it's just you in the car, you can focus on, focus on your driving, but you can focus 
focus on God and talking to God and just get in your head in that space of where he is, moving out of the traffic in your mind. Thank you for that, Sue. So I'm just saying, let's give him the honor of pausing our lives with him, fully give our attention to him, not just be a passing acquaintance. So find a place. I just encourage you all to find a place this week that will be your prayer place. Some people have like a whole room. There was a fantastic film, The War Room, where a lady just cleared out her closet, moved everything out, and that was where she went to pray every single day. More, you know, not even just once a day. Lots of times when she was praying, that's where she went. And I think that is actually a really good thing to do. Just find that special place for you. It's harder when you've got children because they'll come down. But you say, I'm praying now. Come sit with me. You know, make them part of it. Introduce them to, actually, God wants to hear you as well. That's what we're hopefully doing with the children in the in Sunday school. So we'll move on to R for rejoice. Rejoice is always a bit easier for me, I think. I don't know. Because... Oh, I haven't got my, sorry. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. I haven't got the reference of where that's from. Homework, people. Homework. <laughs> oh, thank you. Where is it? Philippians. Thank you, Julie. Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say rejoice. So we're moving from pause to the prayer, to rejoicing in him. And I just want to remind you of a story from Matthew 26, 6 to 13. I'm going to read from the Passion Version. Jesus went to Bethany, the home of Simon, a man Jesus has healed of leprosy. A woman came into the house holding an alabaster flask filled with expensive fragrant oil. She came right to Jesus in a lavish gesture of devotion. She poured out the costly oil. It cascaded over her head as he was at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were offended. What a total waste, they grumbled. We could have sold that for a great deal of money and given it to the poor. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Why are you critical of this woman? She's done a beautiful act of kindness for me. You will always have someone poor with whom you help, but you will not always have me. She has poured the fragrant oil over me. She was preparing my body for burial. I promise that when this wonderful gospel spreads all over the world, the story of her lavish devotion to me will also be mentioned in memory of her. Now read that story because the words lavish devotion is from the Passion Version are just so appropriate. When when we're spending our time in rejoicing for Father, we're... It's our lavish devotion that he wants. It's our lavish devotion that we should be giving to him. It's not just time to say, hey, I love you. Can I get on to what I want to ask for now? Hey, you're amazing, but I really, really need this. There are times for that. What I'm talking about now is when we're setting aside time to actually, like people call it their quiet time. We're setting that time aside. There's other amazing times that throughout the day you just say father god i love you but right now i need this and there's different types of prayer but 
I'm talking about our quiet time prayer. So if we're lavishly devoting ourselves to him, we're not just casually saying, hey, Father, you know, hi, welcome. Sorry. When we show our loved ones devotion, we show them they care for them. We hopefully give them eye contact. We say nice things to them. We show kindness in our actions or even bring them a gift. Our gift to our Heavenly Father, like the woman with the oil, is a precious thing. So what can we say and how will we say it? Well, I think worship's a really good place to start. YouTube has amazing worship songs. You can take a Photoshop of the songs that go up here, the ones that you like, and search them on YouTube. The bottom of the e-news has a link to a worship song that will go on to other links. If you don't, you're not sure of one, ask someone else, what's your favorite worship song? And just start there. But you can sit and listen to worship as you would any pop song or pop, that's probably really old, isn't it? Pop song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> any song in the charts. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. But if you're just listening, that's okay to just listen. But I think this time of lavish devotion on Father, you'd be singing, you'd be moving your body. You'd be taking in those words, taking them to your heart, repeating them in your mind. You might even stop a worship song because there's a word, there's a sentence that grabs your attention and you just say it over and over again to Father God because that's how you're feeling and your love grows and grows and grows deeper for him. Right at the beginning, I said putting on worship music. Oh, I didn't because I didn't say that bit now. I loved it because I went off track in the beginning, but that's fine. Let's ignore that bit. Sorry. (laughs) We come into a door and celebrate God in our prayer time. It's not just background worship. Yeah, it's that heartfelt worship. It's moving our bodies, singing along. As I would have said in the beginning, I find it easier to move around. I think I did say it. To move around, not just to actually physically sit still. Everyone worships differently. And you have to find your own way of connecting with God in that worship. But if you're listening and pondering, we might just listen and ponder on God's words and end up just talking to him, saying, saying, saying song verses like, God, your goodness, sorry. Like saying to him, you are beautiful to me. Lord, I love you. I worship and adore you. You are my everything. Lord, you are the rock of my life. My spirit will sing a song to you. Just speaking words out to him. I actually like to dance before the Lord. Precisely. Which is why I don't do it here just yet. (laughs) But when I was dancing before the Lord, I'm in my own house. No one can see me. I got embarrassed. And I thought, that's really weird. I'm doing this dance because I'm worshipping, dancing for God. He knows that my heart behind it. He knows I don't have brilliant, the the tunes and the movement, and I might be bobbing to the wrong music. I don't know. He knows all these things, but he knows my heart is to worship him. And he knows I want to worship him with my body. And that's okay for me to do. I was thinking about my grandchildren. If they're dancing, moving around, I've got the little guy at the minute. He's only just over a year. And he'll stand in front and he just goes, 
like this. And it's gorgeous. And I love that he does it. I'm not going to say, hey, you're not quite in the beat there. You know, could we not do that? You know, God isn't going to say that either. He loves when we dance for him. King David danced in 2 Samuel 6.14. It tells us, wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. While he and all of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets, King David rejoiced and it didn't matter who saw him. I think if we get to that place where actually it doesn't matter who sees us worshipping God, then we're in a really good place because it's between us and God. It doesn't matter who is around, who is looking, who is listening to what we're saying because we're not talking to the people around. We're not dancing for the people around. We're dancing for the Lord. Let me know when you get to that place. Share it with someone. If you've not been in that place, that actually it doesn't matter what is going on around you and you find yourself in your prayer time just totally focused on God, tell someone because it's an amazing step. It's, it's a next stage in your step of faith. If you're in that place all the time, bless you. <laughs> you can also rejoice in the Lord by using our Bible If we're not sure what to say, pick up a psalm, read a psalm out loud, make it personal to yourself. Use the Lord's Prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Say the names of Jesus, declare who he is, your Alpha Omega, your healer, your deliverer, Christ, the great I am, your peace, hope, light, you're always with me, never leaving me, you're my rock, my constant source of light, you surround me with goodness. You can go on and on and on. And there's no time limit. The only time limit to your prayer life is what you put on it, what we put on it, sorry, because I'm speaking to myself as well, or the fact that you have to be at work at a certain time. But you can continue to pray when you're driving to work. You can continue to pray in your head, maybe out loud, When you're working, if it's appropriate, different places you go to, you can take your prayer throughout the whole day. (laughs) Oh, yeah. God is good. All the time. You can remind him of things that he's done in your own life and say thank you. You might only say a few words. You might go on and on and on and on. The time limit is your own. And then when we're in that great place of rejoicing and adoration, Pete suggests, Pete Gregg suggests that we move on to A for ask. Although there's really no, although he's suggesting it in his book in these orders, he also does say it. if you want to stay on one section for a long time, do that. If you want to do a, a little mini bit on one bit, do. You might find yourself jumping from different sections. It's just a guide. It's not a a legalistic way that you must go through prayer. It's just a guide. Paul encourages, so we're moving on to ask. Paul encourages to pray for our leaders in 1 Timothy 2, 1 to 2. I urge you then, first of all, all petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority. We may live peacefully and quiet lives in our godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our saviour. So we can ask protection and guidance for 
leaders of our country, leaders of where we work, leaders of church, please pray for us as leaders of church and for the and all leaders of, of everywhere. Romans eight thirty four tells us that Jesus is interceding for us. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life. He is at the right hand of God and also interceding for us. If he is interceding with for us, then we can intercede for our friends and our colleagues and our neighbors and our family. I find for my family and friends, as I said before, it's easier for me to walk around. So I, I walk around and I look at their photos. I need a physical thing to help me continuing in my, prayer, in my praying. Otherwise, I get distracted and I go do something else. It's too easy. So I will look at the photos and I pray over my brothers. I pray over my nephews, my nieces. I pray over my dad. I just pray and walk around the room because when I walk, it's better for me. We're all going to find the way that suits us. It doesn't really matter. It matters that God is listening and we are talking to him. And pursuing him and his will for us in our lives. Jesus prayed for healing. And we all do that here. We saw a couple of weeks ago, Florence healed. She had came in with really painful gout in her foot. This, um, I was going to say this morning, the other week. And by the end of the service, it was 80% healed. By the time she got home, it was 100% healed. And we give thanks and praise for that. We pray with praying for Mary's foot to continually to be healed. We prayed for Phil's back this morning. We're expecting to see healing for that. Jesus prayed for healing. We can pray for healing. We can ask specifically, I think also to ask specifically. In Mark 10, 46 for 52, we can read the story of um, Bartimaeus. Mm. <laughs> the blind man who <clears throat> thank you I didn't think I'd said it right yeah Barth- Bartimaeus I need to check long words before I read them mm-hmm. but he, when he saw Jesus and his disciples walk past he cried out he called out he cried out he called out he called out he called out and his disciples were trying to make him quiet sorry the people other people were saying shh be quiet be quiet be quiet but he continued to call out. He was blind. He wanted Jesus. But Jesus said to him, what do you want? Which, When you read it, you think, he's blind? I think he wants you to, oh, yeah? But Jesus took the time to say, what do you want? Because he wants us to ask specifically, what do you want? I find sometimes when I'm praying, as when I'm preaching, I will waffle. And it's like, you get to a stage, what am I actually saying to you, Lord? And you feel the presence of God saying, okay, what are you asking me, though? Where are you going with this? What is it you actually want me to do? And you can be specific, very specific. When I'm praying about parking spaces, I'm one of those people. I like to pray about parking spaces. Yes. If I'm coming home, if I've got a lot of stuff in the boot of my car, 
I can park, say, here, or I can park down there. They're both reasonably close to my house. But I will pray that I want that parking space that's right side, that's right outside my house on the left-hand side, please, because I have things in the left-hand side that I need to get out. If I park on the right-hand one, I'm blocked on both doorways. I get there, not always, but I get there, and there's that parking space on that left-hand side exactly where I wanted it. And I give praise and I give thanks. Doesn't always, but if I keep asking, majority of times I get the parking space that I want. And he is really good in honouring those prayers. But sometimes we don't actually receive immediate answers that we want. And we've got to be more persistent. There's loads of different types of praying. But we've got to be more persistent. And I've just got like a really simple... um, Sorry, Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So don't worry, just trust that he's going to do what you're asking him to do. Colossians 4, 2 and Ephesians 6, 18 also talk about being persistent and interestingly also say, stay alert and give thanks. I just want to do a a brief thing about being persistent. It doesn't, it seems like a minor thing, but it's my experience of it. It's, and I think some people have heard me talk about it before, if when I wanted to learn to read. When I grew up, I didn't read very well. How I managed to get through school and things, I don't know. The reading ability was there, but it was hard. It wasn't something I loved. It wasn't something I enjoyed. It wasn't something I really wanted to do. When I wanted to pursue God more, I wanted to read the Bible, and it was a real desperate, I need to read, I want to understand what you're saying, not have to go and listen to somebody talk about it all the time, but find out for myself. And when I had the Bible in front of me one day, there's the long words, like I've just done that, sometimes I still have the problem with the longer words, but the Bible was in front of me, and I said to God one day, teach me to read. And the answer I heard was, read. And it's like, no, because I'd open my eyes and I wanted to just look at those words on the page and have some amazing miracle right in front of me that I could read them all and understand them. That's not what God did for me. He said, read. And so, okay. Okay, so, teach me to read. Lord, teach me to read. Open my eyes. Same words I see on the page. Okay. He said, no, read. I am listening. So eventually when we got through the, did that a few times, (laughs) when we got through that, I started to read. And I could read some words, but it was hard and the flow wasn't there. And over the days, I just kept going, kept persisting. Lord, teach me to read. Show me more. And as do you know, like when you're with a school teacher and you're reading and you have to sound out the words, that's how God taught me to read and understand more, sound out the words. And it was almost like Holy Spirit was next to me. And when I'm sound, I used to skip over long words and you could sense him next to me going, excuse me, I think you missed something there. And so I'd go back, read the word 
And eventually, through the persistent prayer and the continued trying and encouragement, my reading is much, much better. I have joy in reading now. And I won't just skip over a word. I'll go find out what it means or I text Mary. Yeah. (laughs) Phone a friend. Oops, sorry. But being persistent in the prayer of teach me to read, teach me to read. I need to know more. But there's much major more persistent prayers. That's my example. I'm saying often when we start praying, we get distracted. I still get distracted. But I'm actually learning to say, no, this is my time with God. I'm praying. We're not doing that. Or I write a quick note about something. I'm with you now, God. So it's okay to pray for yourself as well. When you're asking for things, it's actually okay to do that. Maybe not like the biggest, latest TV. (laughs) But maybe if you haven't got a TV and your TV's broken, ask for your needs. Pray for your healing over yourself. Pray to know God better. Pray to go deeper. Ask for those different things. Look in the Bible. Gain and gather a verse out of that that is asking for something. Claim it for yourself. So we've done pause. We've rejoiced. We've asked. And now it's time to yield to God. For the children, we're using the word yes, because trying to say yield is not a natural word for them. So we're going to teach them to say yes to God. What is God asking you to do? What is he saying from his prom? What is he promising you that you want to step into, that you say, yes, I need to do that? Romans 12 is saying, Romans 12, 1, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true and proper worship. So if we're offering our body as living sacrifice and saying yes to our Father, then I actually believe it's through relationship. It's part of our relationship that grows, that says, I'm not sure if you can... In faith, you could step out right at the beginning when you don't, when you haven't got a deep relationship, and you could say, "Yes, Lord, I want to do this," or "Yes, Lord, I want to know you more." And it's always in faith, I think, that you're saying yes to Father God. But it's as your relationship grows, as you learn to love Him more, and you spend that time with Him, that you're able. Well, for me, able to say yes easier because you're trusting Him more. You know that actually he's just for your goodness and he's always kind and always to honor him. It's easier almost to say, yes, I'm going to step out and do that because I trust that when I step, you will come in and you will do something. You're not going to leave me stepping over the edge of a cliff and not catch me. So it becomes more willing rather than a battle of wills or won't I, shall I, shan't I. As your relationship grows with him, you'll be okay. Yeah, okay, Father, that's what we're doing now. I think I'm finishing up now. Our relationship will build as we spend time in his presence, pausing, acknowledging who he is and that he is actually there, learning to be still and listening to what God is saying. 
and just enjoy being with him. It might be a task some days to stop what you're doing and to spend time with God. But we've got to do it. And that is actually all there is. You know, it's not a, I don't think it can be a choice in the Christian life. You have to spend time with your Father in heaven. The more you do it, the more you're going to fall in love with doing it. And your relationship will grow and you'll want to do it more. And you do it more, the more you want to do it. And it's a good circle. And it grows. We push, got to push through those times when we don't feel like doing it. And he's not really on our agenda. Because we're always on his agenda. But we sacrifice and we put God first, as we rightly should. The relationship will deepen as we rejoice in who he is. And what he's doing and what he's going to do. The more time we spend with him the more we can become like him. So what happens after our prayer time? We've sat in the morning, we've got up early maybe, or we've walked to that mountaintop. We've spent those three hours in prayer. And then we go, oh, finished praying now. I've paused, I've, I've rejoiced, I've asked. I've yielded. Oh, you're supposed to help me then. Yeah, <laughs> I've yielded. Right, off I go now to work. No. Because you say, God, come with me. That's the best part. You don't have your prayer life and walk away. You invite God to come and spend the whole day with you, the whole night with you. You take him to work. You take him to toddler group. You take him to visit your grandchildren. You take him when you go out to the restaurant. And the more you know, the more you spend time with him the more it will be natural to talk about him to your friends and your family, to strangers even. The more it will be natural. For some reason, this has popped into my head. When you're out for a meal and the waiter has a bad back, to say, can I pray for you? I know, I know a God who heals because you will have that such strong relationship with him. Someone might do that this week. Let me know if you do. Jody, that would be fun. Yeah. So I think we should pray for each other now because I find that I've got to them. But I hope my point of doing this talk for you guys is to hopefully encourage you in your prayer life. If you're struggling, talk to someone. If you find you have a miraculous breakthrough this week, talk to someone. 